Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to another episode of Galactica Actually. This is ADL Jackson and my co-host Jamie Smith. I didn't know if you were gonna say it or not. So yeah, like... I know, I know. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Hello. Hi, how are you how are you doing? Uh I'm good. How are you? Uh I'm doing you know, I'm doing good. Just uh, rolling along here, watching Battlestar and uh, watching the OG Battlestar as well. Interesting. Um, it's been it's been fun, been fun times. Uh, lots of like stuff that I, you know, it's like I'm this years old realizing some <laughs> things. Uh, even watching this show and even watching the old show, just like one little thing that I kind of noticed was. Oh, the uniforms that they wear on the new show are sort of like a combination, at least color palette-wise, from the old show, it seems. And I'm sure there's some costume designer that's going to say they've never seen the original (laughs) show. (laughs) Are they blue? Are they green? Yeah, yeah, so the pilots all wore brown, like a brown um, tan um, very distinct colors, and the like. Uh, Commander Adama and Colonel Ty and all the people on the bridge all wore like these blue uniforms. And so I was like watching, I, you know, I'd been watching that, and then I kind of was watching the new one, and I was like, whenever they take, you know, they're wearing the blue dress uniform, sort of whatever those are, and then um, underneath they have those brown um, uniforms, and I was like, oh. Oh. <laughs> so, so underneath on this show, they're wearing the, like, gray tank with a black tank over it. Yeah, yeah. So it's, well, I mean, it looks brown to me. Is it not brown? Uh, No, they're black and gray. Oh, Their pants well. are sort of greenish, shiny, olivey green. But the... Yeah. The gray shirt and then yeah. a black tank top over it. Yeah, and it, it just like it just kind of feels like it was informed by it just seemed like it was like an, an inspired choice. But again, they probably never watched the original. So 
Ron, Ron Moore watched the original. I'm sure he had a say in their uniforms. Yeah, I did feel vindicated listening to the his podcast this time because he was talking about the original. <laughs> he was talking about his memories and how he misremembered some things, but uh, he he confirmed that he has actually seen the original show. So that was that was cool. <laughs> yeah, he did say he hadn't seen it in a long time. Yeah. Which sort of confirms my theory that maybe they weren't especially easy to to find to watch, or maybe he didn't want the original show to inform this one too much, just sort of loosely yeah. reference. Yeah, when he it's actually when he talked about this episode actually, because um, they're in the original, they do go to Cobol. Um, he talked about it in this episode, but his it was really like his memory were, was very vague. He talked about it the same way that I kind of had been talking about a lot mm-hmm. of the episodes before I'd said, like, I remember watching this, you know, 30 years ago, and it was like, you know, Starbuck crashed on a planet, and I can't, re- you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, because there, there's a, I, I probably said it before, but there's an episode called uh, Mail, I think it's Maelstrom. It's the one when um, Kat takes her exit, and there's like, there's a concept from there that um, is uh, kind of related to uh, the pilot and the Cobalt episode. Um, so some things in there. So it's like, and but those are things I've always kind of, I always remembered. So when I saw that episode, I remembered back to the original. I was like, I think there's an episode like this where they can't see in the dark and they send their raptor ships out to find a way, a path through the, the darkness or whatever. Mm-hmm. So... Um, yeah, so it sounds like he kind of has been operating on that. And that was all a long way to say he misremembered uh, Pyramid and Triad card games. I think yeah. that's what he, he was talking about in the, in the uh, I think he said the he m- misremembered the card game on the original was called Pyramid. And he called, he ended up calling the, that game that they played, the, uh, sports game they play pyramid on the remake yeah um and he calls the card game triad i guess so well i didn't remember what that card game was called so i'm glad he said it maybe i'll remember it from now on yeah i had no idea it was called anything (laughs) until until this episode so discovering so many things there's another thing that i discovered on this episode that i I, like feel dumb uh that i never noticed but maybe everybody else always knew this but i just am now realizing it i think just because i'm kind of paying a lot closer attention but talk about it when we get there okay um yeah so uh this episode is Cobal's Last Gleaming Part 1. It's written by David Icke. Uh a story by David Icke. I think it was written by Ron Moore and it's directed by Michael Reimer who was the director of the miniseries and he directed 33 um and he's kind of like he's the one that is like kind of responsible for establishing the look and everything that we've come to know mm-hmm. um for BSG. So he was back in the director's chair for the two-part finale and what a good job he did yeah he also was instrumental in sort of the design of this episode he moved because this was a two-part episode but written 
to really be watched back to back, um, but also written so that they could stand alone as their own individual episodes. But he moved scenes around to um, help with the flow or the suspense. One of the things that Ron Moore specifically talks about is how the first episode ends in a different place than he had originally written it. And mm-hmm. and then Ron Moore also gives him gives Michael Reimer a lot of credit for this opening sequence where Adama and Apollo are boxing and Starbucks is having sex with Baltar and Sharon is contemplating killing herself and Hilo is running from Sharon on Caprica like all of that stuff he said was basically just like words in the script and Michael Reimer like took it and really fleshed it out and made it something beautiful yeah it it just it demonstrates how like you know it it is a you know making a tv show a movie whatever it's definitely like it's not a one man show like you can the writer is important for the framework but it is always to be interpreted in different ways and a lot of times the you know the other person can come up with the a visual that encapsulates um, the writing um, and uh, enhances it. So I know I like when I do my comic books and stuff, I write and uh, Russell, my the co-creator of uh, Angel in the Dark, like some, he'll bring up, he'll send a page back and I look at it. And I, it wasn't what I had in mind. I was like, Oh, you totally made this better. Um, so um, you always want to let people that are creative do their creative thing. Well, collaboration always really leads to something better than a dictatorship. Unless you're collaborating with the Cylons. Well, I guess we could ask Jammer about that. <laughs> yeah, so speaking of the uh, the opening, it's a, it's actually really, um, I will use the word beautiful. Um, it uh, uses the, it's a montage of scenes and it um, uses, a, it's, I, I'm going to save the word and I'm probably mispronouncing it, but it's called uh, Passacaglia. Um, that's the music uh, for this frame. And it's a music musical piece that we're going to hear again and again and again over in the show. A lot of it is associated with the uh, opera house yeah. and um, COBOL. And um, one thing about it that I like understood was like, this is the first uh, like kind of return back to a traditional score on Battlestar Galactica. Like they went out of their way to not have any um, like traditional music, but then this episode they brought it back and um bear mccrary said that um you know this it actually when you don't have this that have this sort of like traditional score and then it comes back it has an even bigger impact which it did um because uh it it was a key key piece to a lot of the uh the themes for this two-parter and going through the rest of the show so we have uh, we have Adama and Lee boxing um, a montage with Adama and Lee boxing Starbuck and Baltar um, having sex uh, Boomer and Sharon are having shenanigans 
and um, Hilo and Athena Sharon. And I'm sorry, did I say Boomer and Sharon? Did. <laughs> Boomer Boomer Sharon is uh, is uh, having shenanigans by herself, um, and then Hilo and Athena Sharon are um, having shenanigans. Um, so the uh, Adama and Lee boxing part, it's um, it's like a really cool character piece. There, at first they seem pretty kind of like playful. Lee punches Adama. <laughs> in the side and he asks him if he's all right in it like you know if any any uh like person that's like you know tussled with their father like play fighting with their their dad has probably done that like you old man are you okay old man you know is this something um, that guys do with their dads yeah mo- a lot when i was like a teenager that would happen a lot you know like sometimes my you know you just start to square up with dad i think it's just kind of like a way to like try to prove dominance <laughs> okay yeah it's like a weird like subconscious thing but uh yeah adama like doesn't like let that stand and he actually punches lee back in the in the side and I thought he punched uses, him in the face no uh yeah he did no he punched him in the side first okay. and then he and then he uh and then he punches him again square in the face um and that time it was like slow-mo and he, he like he knocked Lee to the ground. Um, then they're like they're taking their gloves off, and Adama says to Lee, "Like uh, you don't lose control." And Lee says, "Thanks." <laughs> and Adama's like, "No, you've you've got to lose control. Uh, let your instincts take over." And uh, Lee says, "I thought we were sparring." And Adama replies, "That's why you don't win." Um, what do you think of that? It's definitely a setup for. Um, the events that take place in part two, for sure. Um, and it actually, it is kind of tied to, or it's, it's sort of reminiscent to um, earlier in the season about um, pick, like when he's like, uh, you know, you picking sides mm-hmm. and, Adam, you know, Adama says, Lee's like, I didn't know there was sides or whatever. And then Adama's like, oh, that's why, that's why you haven't picked one yet. Yeah. So, yeah. What are like what are your thoughts about it? Well, I just think it's weird because Adama is a lifer military guy. Mm-hmm. He doesn't do a lot of outside the box stuff, which is why he brought in Starbuck for a, a recent mission because mm-hmm. he knows like she thinks outside the box way better than he does. He's basically a, you know, by the book. So how is Lee any different from him in that respect? Or is he just literally talking about this is why you don't win at these matches if we're at these fights? Yeah, I think it's actually just in the fights. Uh, you know, kind of like it, there's there's a tradition of boxing, I guess, and and that we see it happen later, mm-hmm. like later in the show. And then I do believe that there was like in Caprica, there was like, um, I think there were like boxing stuff in that too. So it's kind of like, I just, I just took it as like a, in this ring or in this arena, so to speak, he has to be a little bit more fluid. Um, he's just, it's like the sparring isn't just like something mechanical. Like you should actually be like trying to be a little bit shifty or crafty. Okay. The other scene that we have is a Starbuck and Baltar. Um, but at first, um, 
they it appears that Starbuck is having sex with Apollo. Mm-hmm. Um, it's really funny if you listen or if you watch it with captions on because it says both moaning. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, they're kind of getting hot and heavy, and then Starbuck says, Oh, Lee. Uh, right after that, Baltar pops up. <laughs> you can see his his un- unmistakable Baltar hair, and he's just kind of staring, and it's just a very awkward moment. This is why I think that it's not as a su- as successful a fake-out as they want us to believe. Because they want us to think... I guess it is successful, but it's. I feel like it's just sort of like pulling the wool over the audience's eyes. Like, mm-hmm. the way that Ron Moore talked about it was that we're we're not necessarily supposed to think it's Baltar. We're supposed to think it's Lee. But we should also, like, not be surprised when Baltar, when it turns out to be Baltar. I don't know. Maybe I took that wrong. But it it never looked like Baltar until it was. Yeah, I mean, I don't know when I, I just if I go back to the first time I watched it, like, I mean, I watched enough TV to know that I wasn't supposed to really know, like, who it was. Like, I, it kind of looked like Lee, but it it wasn't like this is supposed to be Lee. You know, it's supposed to kind of make you think, who is this? Um, and then you think it is, but and then probably not. And then. I don't know. They didn't spend a lot of time on it either, so it wasn't like they were trying to sell you on one thing and yeah. and then showed you the other. Um, I think it was just like this really – the really quick cuts and everything was just kind of like this setup. And it's really um, – just like Ron Moore says a lot about this episode and, you know, go back to what you were talking about, why they moved the ending around. It was really more about like a character thing rather than like a – plot thing if that makes any sense so it's because this is really about starbuck and um it sets up a lot of the conflict between starbuck and and uh lee throughout the rest of the episode well i have i have words about that so i do i actually do too (laughs) let's just say somebody is uh gonna be put out the airlock today (laughs) 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 um Starbuck gets up and she kind of like awkwardly leaves. One thing that was interesting, again, it's one thing I'd never noticed before and I'm watching again now, and that is maybe because I'm paying more attention, uh, was that she's wearing the same blue dress that she was wearing the previous episode of Colonial Day. Yeah, because this is the next morning. Yeah, so this is definitely a carryover from the night before. (laughs) Baltar gets up. Uh, he kind of stands there like a statue, or no, he kind of stands there. Six appears sitting in a chair. Um, she kind of seems like a statue, and this is kind of this kind of sets up their sixes and Baltar's relationship through the episode is a lot different than it has been in the past. They're very, it's almost like um, dark and distant. Um, when Baltar pours a drink, and they just kind of stare at each other. Well, apparently she is just fine with him having sex as long as there's no love. But for some reason, she thinks that he has feelings for Starbuck. Yeah, I mean. And, you know, I had some I had some friends back in the day, back when I was like 21, 22. I was friends with this couple. 
when I met them, they were no longer a couple. Um, but when they had been for years, they had what they called an open relationship. And the only mm-hmm. rule was you're not allowed to have feelings for the other person. Like, yeah. best around all you want, but no feelings. And then at some point, he met this girl and developed feelings for her. And so he had to stop seeing her because his official girlfriend didn't like it. And he still had feelings for that other girl and would still like every once in a while go on dates with her. And we like were friends. We're all friends. So we would all see each other. And there was just all this tension all the time. And it seemed like, I don't know, it just seems like you're just adding extra bullshit into a relationship. Relationships can be hard anyway especially when you're in your early 20s and you're half insane so maybe don't i don't know if you want to see multiple people do that but don't have a a committed you're not committed so don't have like a this is my girlfriend but this is my other girlfriend i don't know i don't understand polyamory it clearly <laughs> i i couldn't do i'm it. staying i'm staying out of this yeah like, I just couldn't do it. I'm, I'm backing myself into a corner here and people are going to yell at me. I couldn't do yeah. it. I personally don't understand it. And I watched them just hurt each other's feelings over and over again because they it, – it seemed like they wanted their cake but wanted to eat it too. Like it wasn't a healthy situation for them. And that's my only real experience of being around people who did this whole like you can have sex with whoever you want but don't have feelings. Um, I would never be able to do that because I have feelings about everything all the time. Um, (laughs) I know there have got to be people who can successfully do this, but I feel like jealousy always ends up coming in at some point, even when you say you're okay with it. Because to be jealous is to be human. Yeah. Like that's, I think that's the key is like, you can make all the rules that you want to make about anything, but half the time that's ignoring like authentic feelings. So just because you shouldn't be jealous or shouldn't be upset because of whatever reasons on the surface, you're still a human being. Yeah. And And I do have friends who have like more than one girlfriend or boyfriend but they don't say like well number one and me we're in a committed relationship and then i have this other relationship they're like well i just have a relationship with both of them and they both know about it Mm -hmm. and that seems to work out fine because there's no like contract involved so i don't know it all seems it all seems very um like a lot of extra work in my opinion that's why i don't do it i'm a very committed one person kind of person this gets into a little this there's a little bit of this not like sort of directly but a little of this idea actually in terms of uh Lee and Starbuck a little bit later yeah. in their conversation um when we can when we get there we'll like we'll we'll dive into that I'm sure <laughs> um <laughs> Uh, and then we have Boomer Sharon on the Galactica. She is in her bunk in the officer's quarters. She is, uh, looking at a gun. Um, she's like contemplating it. She's like, obviously she's thinking about unaliving herself. 
Um, she raises the gun to her mouth and kind of hesitates. And then um, suddenly, uh, like in the background, uh, there's a message over the loudspeaker telling her to report to the ready room for a pre-flight briefing so she doesn't kind of go through with her plan at that moment. Um, and then the last um, sequence we have is uh, Hilo and Athena, Sharon, um, down on Caprica. Uh, <laughs> at first, it starts out with Hilo on the run, so kind of from continuation from last episode. Uh, yeah, it just kind of it made me laugh. There's a sign. Um, on, he's running on a roof, and there's a sign that says "Keep Off Roof." Yeah, I saw that too. Um, I thought about yeah. it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, he he. Jumps down, he runs past some ruins, and then um, out pops uh, Athena. She has her, I think she has her gun out. Um, he pulls his gun out and tells her, tells her to stop and don't come any closer. And Sharon looks like really remorseful. Um, she says, "Just do it." Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, do, do you do you think she like wanted to die at that point, like? What was her? I mm, I don't think so. I think that she, I think she was testing him a little bit, like seeing how he really feels about her. If he could, if he could do it and he killed her, well, then she's just going to download into another body anyway. So what does she have to lose? Right. But if he couldn't, which he couldn't, he shot her, but he shot her in the shoulder. Mm-hmm. Um, then it means that she still has a chance to convince him and she's not trying to convince him of anything other than the truth is that she has feelings for him. She loves him. She, you know, it's hard to explain to him that she is Sharon too. She has mm-hmm. the same memories and all of that, but she just wants to give him a chance. If, she, if he were to shoot her to kill her, then it doesn't matter. So just do it. At, but yeah. if you if you're not going to kill me, then then maybe we can talk about this. Well, I, you know, I thought about it a little bit, too, because like we had like her getting killed and she would return back to wherever silence and, and they but she's on the run anyway. Right. So they wanted to capture her. Right. So she she would she would know that that would be putting herself in harm's way. And that's why I thought about it, because I was like. It's like, yeah, I think, you know, it's like she actually really does love him and she does really feel bad and remorseful. And I think she she can't really think her way out of this situation either. It's like bad kind of all around. Um, Either either he kills her and he's on his own and he's going to get killed by the other Cylons because there's not going to be anybody protecting him. And what does she care at that point? He killed her. Or Mm -hmm. he sticks with her. She's able to prove to him that she loves him and they can escape together. But like if he kills her, it doesn't matter that they're trying to hunt her down to kill both of them because they'll kill him. It She's not going to be able to save him if he kills her. But then at least she knows do he they, doesn't love her. Do they box singular Cylons or they, when they box them, is it, was it the, is it always the whole model? No, they could do both. They, kind of, they could yeah. just box one. Or yeah. they could box the whole line, which is what Cavill does to Deanna. So yeah, he decides Deanna, that, that yeah. she's the whole line is broken. Yeah. Anyways, he shoots her. 
but he doesn't kill her. Uh, she rolls, uh, kind of rolls down these steps, and um, he he kind of stands over her with his gun, but then he can't do it. So, um, I read in my my official companion, Tomo said that he it was really important to him to get these scenes right, especially the the next one. Um, mm-hmm. but that he was struggling with trying to understand, like, what Hila would be feeling. And Michael Reimer said, well, imagine if you found out your wife was a terrorist and had killed a bunch mm-hmm. of people. And then he was able to, like, tap into, like, all of that emotion, what that would feel like. Yeah, just watch Homeland. <laughs> The we uh, jump to Rosalind. Um, she's getting like some kind of MRI uh, and um, on Galactica. She's with Doc Cottle. Um, Billy's standing on the outside, um, kind of watching. But then we jump to uh, Rosalind and Alosha, and then Rosalind is telling her sort of like the results of uh, that scan. Mm-hmm. She says um, uh, Doc Cottle's given her six months and the cancer spread to her lymphatic system and it's very aggressive. Um, and so this this particular piece of information really convinces Alosha that Rosalind is the one that will guide them to Earth. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> Rosalind says we'd better, we'd better find it soon. Yeah, yeah. So... Um, yeah, that's a that and, and so this actually this see the scene with Rosalind and Alosha um to kind of go back to what you were talking about uh, again, uh, Michael Reimer. This this was originally supposed to be in that um in that montage of scenes, um but they moved it out into its own space cuz they felt the pacing and everything was a little bit better for it here. Um Yeah, that was the correct decision. Yeah, definitely. Um, just, it's not. I mean, not that cancer is not serious, but it wasn't dramatic and <laughs> dramatic enough uh, compared to all the other other sequences. Um, then we get. Uh, then we're going to the pilot's rec room. Um, Lee, Gata, Crashdown, D, and Balt are playing um, triad. <laughs> uh Baltar is uh Baltar is a mess right now. Um I don't know how many like hours this would have been after that happened, but he's definitely he's still drinking, still drinking that green Midori. Uh, yeah, is it Midori? Yeah, I just kept like I kept like wondering exactly what that was I, supposed to be. I mean, it looks like Midori. It also looks like uh-huh. lime jello. Yeah, like it is very, very it, green. Yeah, it's very green, and yeah. So he's like, he's he's like pouring drinks for himself. It's actually really funny. He pours like, does he pour one and he drinks right out of the? Well, it's sitting on the he table. Pours the one can... for Gata, and Gata's like, no, I have launch later. And so Baltar takes what he poured for Gata and adds it to his own cup all the way up to the top, and then just leans forward and like. He drinks straight from it without lifting it, which is really funny. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah. Ron Moore said that James Callis was just always finding little things to do like that that weren't written. Yeah. Just really charactery things, which that's – I love that. Like that's what I love about actors is when they when they really fully embody the character that they're playing and they find these little things to do that are not scripted but are seem absolutely true to the character. Mm-hmm. 
That's my joke about Matt Smith towards the the end of his run. I was always like, uh, he doesn't really have much to do in a lot of the scenes, <laughs> and so he would always find this. He would always find these like things to do yeah. uh, to kind of like you know still make the character kind of relevant to. Uh, the story, if not the action. It's really so. hard to be a Muppet in human form. He's always got to <laughs> keep those arms moving. <laughs> he just he'd sp- he spun around a lot and clapped his hands. <laughs> <laughs> you ever go back and watch it? It's, oh, it's I did a I... whole podcast on it. I know about Matt Smith uh, and all of his shenanigans as an actor. Yeah, I love him. Yeah. He's a lunatic. Yeah, so great. Especially compared to like when I watch him at other stuff, I'm like, man, he really was acting on that. Like, <laughs> or he's, he's calm. keeping himself very, very tightly restrained Dictate. in these other parts. I'm not sure yeah, which is he's, true. He's having fun. Mm-hmm. Um, so Apollo raises, uh, uh, raises whatever, whatever you do in triad, you raise and uh, fold, whatever. And then Baltar. <laughs> Baltar gets triggered and says to him, you can't compete with me. I always win. <laughs> and then Apollo just kind of smiles. He's like, oh, I'm sorry. You know. Um, and then Six appears, uh, and she is just commenting that she's never seen Baltar like this, and it's disappointing somehow, mm-hmm. she says. Common. Um, yeah. And then he's like, yeah, I'm sorry to disappoint you. Um realizing he said it out loud then you know kind of refers to them all mm-hmm. um then starbuck enters um she has no more cane by the way so i guess we're completely over that because she's going to need that for scrambling around caprica soon um baltar it was a quick she... recovery considering she was still using the cane yesterday yeah but maybe that fight like knocked everything back into place I did notice in the in the in the Colonial Day episode she was using the cane, but there was like there was like a scene where she popped it over her shoulder and started walking mm. like like super casual. So it was like she didn't always need it or something. But maybe just maybe just having sex cured her. <laughs> <laughs> oh God! Don't put that in Baltar's head. Uh, yeah. Right. <laughs> um, so <laughs> she's uh, yeah. So. Uh, uh, Starbuck enters and Baltar. It's I don't know. She says something I don't remember. But Baltar insists that she calls him Mister Vice President. She calls him Gaius and asks. Yeah. She says, "How are you doing? How, how are you feeling?" And then he's like, "Mister Vice President, if you don't mind." <laughs> yeah, this level of decorum has to be maintained. Is it a pirate ship you're running? And she's just like, "Nope, just a battle star." Just a battle star. Yeah, I love her delivery in her, this scene, mm-hmm. her scenes with Lee later, and then the scenes after with Lee later. I just love how she does all of that. She's so great in this episode. Um, yeah, so yeah, they, they like verbally sparring, and then um, everyone, like while they're talking, everyone's kind of like looking around. Everyone kind of tell you could tell something went down between them, well, something weird. But, Lee you know. definitely can tell. Yeah, Lee definitely does. Um, uh, he uh, Baltar's like, would you like to play? <laughs> Maybe you'd like to sit next to Captain Adama. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, so anyways, yeah, Lee Lee definitely has this look like, hmm. Um, and then they cut away. Um, 
you know, next we're uh, we're back on Caprica One, Rosalind's office, Colonial and... One. <laughs> I'm sorry, did I say Caprica you One? Did. Jesus. <sighs> <laughs> Capricorn One is I what it's called, I believe. I don't know what that movie is. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we're back on Colonial One, uh, <laughs> uh, Rosalind's office, um, and apparently, you know, Baltar is. Uh, still like hungover or something i don't know he's he's really bored they're going over a lot of like details about like boring so they're talking about uh reestablishing the economy um getting back to currency-based standard instead of like letting people just barter um baltar is definitely not into it he's taking notes <laughs> and then six appears and she says do you love me? No, she says, do you love her? <laughs> do you love her? I'm sorry, yeah. And then... Um, and I think that's why, he... like, I think if, if Six weren't sort of badgering him at this moment, he might be able mm-hmm. to pay attention to what Rosalind is trying to teach him here because I'm sure yeah. he understands, even without knowing that Rosalind has cancer. Like, I am now the vice president of the fleet. I probably should understand where you know what's going on but Mm -hmm. instead six is like do you love her answer me like won't let him just like save it for another time it's very uh it's very um ellen (laughs) ty you know yeah except that ellen ty wants to cause chaos for everyone else right but that piece where it's like like you know like what we're talking about it's like like she established the rules but then it's kind of like getting mad cuz yeah <laughs> you know and and then like and then pressing in all the wrong moments you know like like let it let it slide or whatever but he's trying to like do some business like let it let it go rosalind sees how distracted he is and like she's she emphasizes how important it is mm-hmm. that he's that can do all this stuff because if anything happens to her, which she knows will, um, he's going to be president. Um, so. And so he has to like make himself look incompetent, really, because he's yeah. got these two women that are demanding things of him, one of which no one can see but him. Mm-hmm. And so he does that Baltar thing of like babbling, saying things, but babbling and and really just getting everybody to a point where they're they're not asking him anything anymore it was a really good like sort of like interplay the way the script went anyways how like six asks a question baltar ignores then he answers rosalind hears it (laughs) answers and there was like this it was really cool back and forth there was a there was a moment where you know um Rosalind says something to the effect of like, do you understand while Six is demanding an answer from mm-hmm. Baltar and he answers no to both. Then he's, you know, starts to freak out and then he's like, I'm not your plaything. Yeah, and they're both like <laughs> and they play Yeah, they're both like plaything. <laughs> he says, I don't work for you and yeah. I can't take this abuse from either one of you and Billy and Rosalind like look at each other like, What? <laughs> Who's he talking to? Yeah. 
this actually does serve a purpose more than like it serves a plot purpose a little bit later for when he kind of volunteers to go to to um down to the surface of cobalt because Rosalind definitely is like okay yeah you do that <laughs> you know so right after that he's in the bathroom washing his face six uh, six enters behind him uh, <laughs> slams his face to the mirror and asks again if uh how can he love starbuck gives him a big gash on his forehead or like a bruise or a mark or something um but then kind of shifts in um away from like that idea of like starbuck and do you love her and stuff and then she's like she tells him um you know it's not safe safe to stay on galactica anymore like you should you should think about leaving um he asked her what like why what's gonna happen she's basically it's kind of like a, is it a surprise and she won't tell him so he's um, in the bathroom on colonial one and mm-hmm. she slams his face into the mirror which fine then says it's not safe and he's asking what is it is it a bomb is it a silent bomb is it an agent is a silent about to be activated tell me and like he's yelling this and all i can think is you're saying all of this out loud and you're yelling it (laughs) and you're in the bathroom by yourself yeah i mean i thought logistics wise i thought but you know they didn't actually say he was actually on the, in the bathroom there, he could have gotten back on Ron Galactica did say, and done it. Oh, did he? Yes. Okay. This is... Yeah. He leaves, like, Rosalind tells him to take a break. And the next thing we get is him in the bathroom trying to, like, get himself together. So he's in the bathroom on Colonial One. I don't know how close this bathroom is to where Rosalind is sitting, but they're not the only two people on the plane. And he's yelling! Unless he's yelling in his head and we're seeing it, but he's not actually doing it out loud. It's one of those TV things where it only ma- like if someone else hears it, then it's like it's important that someone else is hearing it. But they didn't, so you're just like Whatever. it's like it's kind of like in a scene when two people are standing, like three people are standing in a room, and then like two people are having an aside, um, talking about some very important information. The other person's standing. <laughs> On the other side, like if that happened in real life, you'd be like, "Why are you guys whispering?" I don't, yeah, that I happens don't get on sitcoms yeah. all the time. All the time, happening yeah, friends yeah, a lot, so. where they'd be having a full-on conversation in the kitchen while everybody's sitting on the couch five feet away, and it's like, "You think they?" Eat? Yeah, <laughs> and it's like the secret or something. So <laughs> that's just kind of—I mean, that's kind of how I took the scene because I, I, I did think about it. Like he seems to be like he's like pretty loud. Yeah. Um. In my in my head, I was like, it's probably like that bathroom's adjacent to her office or something. But is if it didn't come into play, then it just wasn't important. That's just where they had to shoot the scene. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I just wish but that I there was you. some sort of visual cue for what we know the conversations are happening in his head and the ones that are happening mm-hmm. with him actually vocally saying things around where other people could hear. And they would do that a lot earlier on with him, like, being at his house on Caprica. Mm-hmm. But here we have it in this bathroom. So it's hard. No, to- I mean, I think he he definitely was saying it out loud. Like, I don't think that that was, like, in his head or anything. Right. So, so yeah. yeah. I get what you're saying. And for TV, whatever. But for me, watching a show that I'm supposed to be, like, you know, believable situations, you yelling 
about Cylon agents being activated on a on a essentially an airplane. Why doesn't anybody um, hear you? Is, is it a bomb? <laughs> Cylon bomb. Uh, yeah, there was a. I mean, I I totally get what you're saying. Uh, like uh, that's one of my when a show goes extra lengths to be like to feel grounded then when it when it does do things to stretch those things it it feels less like it like i definitely get annoyed sometimes or like you know that doesn't make any sense Mm -hmm. even though like i said i can see that happen on friends all day like comedies do stuff all the time and you let stuff slide but it's because those comedies aren't it's like those things aren't trying to like replicate reality um, it's actually what it's a big it's a big issue I have with uh, the show Andor actually like as 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 good as the show is there are some moments that are just stretch this credibility and I'm like sort of unwilling to let it slide because it puts so much time into everything being so like quote unquote realistic you know yeah um, so I definitely 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 feel you there. Don't know what to say. Maybe they ran out. Of, maybe they ran out of time. It's fine. We can move on. <laughs> to shoot. It's very nitpicky. It's fine. Yeah, yeah. I did. It's, I did. I did notice as well, but my brain just kind of let that one slide. Um, anyways, we uh, we end up uh, Adama uh, just really quickly. He's in a CIC. He's monitoring a uh, monitoring a jump in progress by Boomer and crash down. Uh, I had kind of. I guess we you know. Another nitpick. I kind of was like, "What are, what was their mission actually?" Like, I'm infer. I inferred some things, but I don't know that they actually say directly what it was. In the um, in the transcript, it says that they're looking for supplies, so they're on a okay. supply run. They're looking. They're being, you know, sent to coordinates where there's a planet nearby, or a moon, or something where they could mm-hmm. maybe I don't know find water or algae or whatever it is that they need mm-hmm. to scavenge and they their coordinates take them too close to the planet so they like immediately get stuck in the gravity well which yeah. like starts pulling them towards the planet she has to like get control of the raptor crashdown is super pumped by this <laughs> <laughs> he's like he's all happy it's crazy yeah okay. meanwhile sharon's calling Gata a fracking idiot because he like could have jumped them right into the planet let's cherish our time with crash down while we yeah, still have yeah, it we have a little while left with that goober yeah <laughs> <laughs> but yeah i just i was kind of like yeah they they were i they obviously like they I, they didn't say it at least in the script or whatever or like in the um in the scene the visual scene but I inferred that they were like they literally were jumping to a planet. It was just like it's it's so blue and like earth like. I was like they I felt like they should have known, I guess, you know. Well, but I think he's I going off of I don't know where he's how he's mapping coordinates. Like mm-hmm. I think there's known space where they know there's yeah. certain like planetary objects. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you want you don't want to jump directly into their atmosphere or whatever. And he just calculated wrong, so they ended up a little too close. I don't, and they don't, you know, without going there, they don't know what the what's the planet is like, or the moon is like, or what can be found there. That's why they send them out there to check. 
So in the in the original, and I could probably be misremembering this, but uh, I, I did just rewatch them last week. But uh, it was like a, it was like in this void space or something where there were no stars, and Apollo was flying through it and kind of got lost. And they they came up with this uh, way for them to find it by like. Uh, one fighter would go deeper into the darkness while another one kind of like monitored that one. And then a third one that was closer to the edge of the uh, known space would monitor that one so that they could find it. And Cobol was hiding in this area. So just uh, these, uh, this Cobol episode is way different than from that one. So Oh, I won't, um, if someone said that they never that he never watched the original on this one, I would believe him. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> well, this planet that um, they find has nitrogen, oxygen, atmosphere, enough CO two for green leafy things. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Crash that's like I'm starting to get excited here, Boomer. This could be it. <laughs> this could be the yeah. the big one. Yeah. I mean, like and you know, when you're you kinda like I mean I, you think it's Earth, right? Like, that's what it I mean, looks like. Th- um, yeah, I mean, it looks from yeah. from up there. They're seeing continents and water, and it could be Earth, but Boomer just knows that it's not. Mm-hmm. And that's she, because she's a Cylon. Yeah, she looks, like, entranced or spooked by it. Um, I think it's and... spooked, honestly, because I don't think she... Like, she obviously has suspicions of what she is. That's why mm-hmm. she's struggling so much. But mm-hmm. for whatever reason, like, the way this planet is affecting her is like she can feel it deeply. And that is freaking her out. Mm-hmm. Because why would she be able to feel this? It's almost like the planet has a different vibration and she can feel that and no one else can. And mm-hmm. why would she be able to know this? If she weren't human, or if she were, yeah, and, and uh, yeah, Crashdown says like he thinks like, he thinks it's Earth, and she says no, it's not Earth. It's more important than that. Yeah. So she definitely, she's definitely onto something. Hmm. Um. Then we cut to Caprica, uh, with Hilo and Athena Sharon. Um, it's raining, um, and, uh, it's at nighttime. They're like in this small kind of alley. Um, he's, they're both kind of like sitting down and Hilo has his, just has his gun on Athena. Um, she tries to talk to him, convince him, but he's resistant, uh, to the convert, like to anything she's trying to say, like, um, it, he's like whatever twisted thing you are you you aren't sharing he and he just wants to way off the planet mm-hmm. he says so and she's trying to convince um, him things like i do get cold and she calls him hilo he does not like that because she's not sharing and she says but i am and that's part of what mm-hmm. you need to understand and i don't think that we really get an explanation of what she means here until much 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 later with a totally different sharon model who talks about how she accessed Athena's memories when Athena downloaded. Mm -hmm. And so because she accessed them, she's able to feel and remember everything that Sharon felt and remembered. 
mm-hmm. or Athena. And so I think that's what they did here with her, where they have her sort of tapped into what Boomer knows. Mm-hmm. And so she, while she knows, like, that's another model and she actually experienced it the way this works is I feel like I experienced that too. But she doesn't get a chance to explain that to him. And again, the show doesn't really explain this to us as an audience until much later. Yeah. It was always like kind of a nitpick for me um, through a lot of the show till they really covered it. I was, I was like, how did, how did she know what Sharon was actually doing? But Well, and I also wonder like felt... how did they access that information like mm-hmm. the the one later on, she specifically accessed those memories because Athena died and downloaded. Mm-hmm. But Boomer has not died and downloaded yet. So how did they get this programming into this Sharon? Yeah, the only thing I could think is like like old school. She was giving reports, like literal, literally giving reports, like just from a practical level. That's the only thing I could think of. That like in one of her fugue states. Be- yeah, like sending, um, you know, uh, papers with squared off <laughs> I mean, edges. I get what you're saying. Reports. It would have yeah. to be more than that because for Sharon, for Caprica Sharon to really know what who Sharon Boomer is and mm-hmm. what she's experienced and what her relationship was with Hilo and all of that, there has to have been some other kind of access point. But we've seen like they can tap right into the ship so i'm sure there was mm-hmm. a way yeah yeah definitely but they're transponders maybe <laughs> right exactly like there's these things yeah. like hidden all over the place and there's also been like sleeper agents or or secret agents not sleepers but secret agents like on the ship too so it's possible that shelly godfrey like did a quick download and, and sent that information before she airlocked herself or whatever she did and then we get to Galactica and the flight deck and one of the most toxic interactions <laughs> yeah. Yeah. that you'll find uh, on this show. But I also think it is um, beautifully descriptive about human beings and how complex they are, actually are. Uh, for sure. I mean, people do act this way. And people do um, enforce their power over others from their position. So he does it a little bit more later when he, like, forces her to stand at attention and everything. But Mm. this is just, like, straight-up slut-shaming. And he has no right whatsoever to judge her because she Mm -hmm. is not his girlfriend. And even though you might you know, stare at her with your jaw on the floor because she's wearing a dress the night before, you didn't shoot your shot, so you have nobody to be angry at but yourself, dude. It's gross. So this is where... Because <laughs> on the surface, I, like, that's what I think, right? But this is... But the, the piece to this is that Kara actually, in a lot of ways agrees and feels the same and that's the part where i'm like that's where like the authentic humanness happens it's not as clean and by the rules as i think a lot of people always want to like claim life is so he 
def she definitely does not have like to answer to him. But she also, from her perspective, we saw she called his name mm-hmm. out. So she has she has these complicated feelings as well. He had absolutely no right to confront her the way that he did. Um, I read his that sequence though as not trying to dominate her. It was more about his insecurity about the situation and him trying to find <laughs> trying to find out what happened. Um, and he was not happy with the results of uh, the conversation. I mean, a little, but he also. He slut shames her. There's like no, there's no other way of, of saying it. He says fracking the vice president of colonies just seemed like a great way to waste some time. Uh, she says, I don't owe you anything. And he says, no, you don't. Cause I'm just a cag and you're just a pilot, a pilot who can't keep her pants on. Like I understand his feelings are hurt and yes, there is something between them, but if the two of them are going to be so fucking stubborn and not just admit it to each other, then he doesn't have a right to be mad and she should not feel guilty, but they're both doing acting this way because they're not admitting to each other how they feel. And yeah. And instead we end up with this interaction where he's trying to make her feel bad for hurting him. And she already feels bad because she knows how she feels about him. And he, but they're not, they're not saying those things to each other. And he's just being an yeah. ass. And he and she <laughs> was it the scene or it may have been later. Um, I'm a screw up. Uh, no, she says I hear. He says, "Why did you yeah. do it? Just tell me why." And she says, "Because I'm a screw up. Keep it in mind." Yeah. Like, yeah. but you're not, Kara. I mean, you are because if you want to be with him, you should be with him. And this is a constant struggle throughout the rest of the series that she wants to be with him, but she doesn't want to be with him. She wants to be with him sometimes and other times she doesn't. And like she finally does admit to him how she feels and then she turns around and marries Anders. So she doesn't know what she wants and she is a screw up. But he he can't – he shouldn't try to make her feel like shit. Like maybe later after what happened on New Caprica, he has every right to be mad at her. But here he doesn't. Yeah, I mean I don't think that he – I mean again, I, I don't think – I don't think that he's trying to make her feel bad. And I, I think that's... I, I don't know. I, maybe I, this is because I'm a woman, but you cannot say yeah. a pilot who can't keep her pants on and tell me that that is not about trying to make her feel bad because it absolutely is. Right. And, but that's what that's what I'm saying is like, I think it's 100% wrong, but I'm saying I'm reading it more from like, again, his it's his insecurity and he's on like this shaky ground and he's just kind of saying, he's like... He's like he's lashing out. Mm-hmm. That's yes. You're not wrong. Yeah. It's, yeah, but, it, but like, it's very I, incel they, behavior. You're pissed off because she didn't fuck you, but you didn't try. Yeah. And she's just supposed to like what beg you. She has some. Yeah, but see, I, I mean, like, you're gonna be mad because she went someone went home with someone else. Like you didn't make your move yeah. though. Yeah, but I, I guess you know. I, again, <laughs> I don't like. I don't think what he that the the hit the his entire like the entire scene he's like he's just so out of pocket but for me it's less about who's like I mean he's definitely wrong but it's it's not about like 
he doesn't have the right to feel that way. She should do this. He can't say this. To me, it's more on this, like, I mean, they have a relationship that goes back on a on a personal level, and it's very complicated. And um, I just, like, I guess the intention of it is, for me, is different than, I think, what kind of what you're saying. Um, but the, the end result is <laughs> that... I mean, I'll say it now, like, like who needs to be put out of an airlock like Lee Adama mm-hmm. is like my guy for this episode. Both things and can be true. And not just the scene. Right. Not just for the scene, but for um, just the way he's acting. I mean, it's the way he acts throughout throughout this entire episode. So He also brings up, he says, it's just like old times, like when you got drunk and you couldn't keep your hands off of that major from wherever, and she punches him in the face, and then he punches her back. So, regardless of what his intention might be, because his feelings are hurt, he's taking his hurt feelings and trying to make her feel bad for what she did. She also already feels like she did not necessarily something wrong, but that she made a, a poor choice. This is the this kind of shit happens with men and women, especially if there are men who men and women who have feelings for each other. And it's obvious, like I like you, you like me, but we're both too afraid to like fuck up our friendship or, or take that leap because of our own, whatever baggage, which these two have a ton of baggage. And often one or the other will make the other person feel badly for the thing that they did, but there's no, she didn't have owe him anything like she didn't she's supposed to just wait around for him to be brave enough yeah i mean it's not even like waiting around for him like he just doesn't like he's not gonna do anything because she was engaged to his brother but he wants to be with her she wants to be with him and the only way they can ever do that is when they're with other people and they're sneaking around and then he feels guilty and tries to make her feel guilty and you know it's like lee understand why you have your feelings but don't try to make her feel bad because you didn't make a move when you could have and the reality though is that she's like when she says like i'm a you know i'm a screw up like we <laughs> we see that on new caprica right yeah. so even if he even if he had gotten his way or whatever like he put what i don't know who knows i don't know what happened the night before the colonial um uh, day party but even if like it had been him that had gotten with her it, it, it would have been something else anyway um, but right in this in this moment he definitely is just completely out of pocket mm-hmm. and you saw like again like the like the massive sort of like it was like this he felt it was like this insecurity and he like he couldn't come out and say it so he says all this other stuff and he just I mean, it was sad, <laughs> like like pathetic, sad, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I love the way. Again, I I love the way she plays the scene um, because, like, coming from her side, um, like she does feel bad. She probably regrets what she did, and she is not like her acting um, in the scene. It's not like this demonstrative, like you know, other than the punch, 
um, it's not this demonstrative um, uh, delivery of lines. It's like it's very like subdued and she, you know, very short mm-hmm. and very like uh, just it's uh, it's just like watching her say all that stuff is so great. Anyways, <laughs> they're mad at you. They're mad at each other. Yep. <laughs> I find it weird or slash funny. Like like he punched her too, and it was like that's like that. We just we don't we don't think about that like being anything but i guess the the reality on this show is a little uh the relationship between males and females is a little different in their society i guess um well i think i don't know about the relationship between males and females but between kara specifically and other men like she mm -hmm. is constantly like i'm just one of the guys and she'll drink like them and fight like them and throw a punch and not be surprised to be punched back. The fact that he punches her immediately says something about Lee, but I, it also just says something about their relationship. Yeah. That they kind of know that they can fight like this and then sort of get over it like Mm -hmm. siblings in a way. That's that's kind of creepy. Well, I mean, I get or like bros. <laughs> and neither one is necessarily better than the other. Like, if you guys want to have sex with each other, just do it, so that you get some of this like tension out. But they're both too stupid to just admit it. Oh, they do. Sure. Later, when she's in a relationship and she just can't. She won't allow herself to be with him is the thing. She's going to mm-hmm. find a way to screw that up every time. Not because she's a screw up, but because she's not going to allow herself to actually be happy. She was really, really happy with Anders, but then like messed it up immediately because as soon as she had him, she didn't want him anymore. Kara's like, yeah, I mean, she's a, she's a mess. Yeah, I was about to say, like she, like what you said earlier, two things, <laughs> two things can be true because like, she was with Anders, but Anders also says that, like she definitely, he knows that she's, like, what I don't, you know, was he said catting around? And he knows she's with other mm-hmm. other men, so it's like, I mean, it wasn't just, it wasn't that he was, she was in harmonious bliss uh, with uh, Anders. It was no, it was you know, the she, idea yeah. of Anders was I think yeah. more enticing to her. But then they also really they also had this they actually did have a a thing. Yeah. Like it's weird. Those crazy kids. <laughs> I mean it's what it's so it's so complex it's why I love it. Yeah. Like it's like it, again it like it, it shows all these different um aspects of just human and like you know like a little bit earlier when i was saying like sometimes we we like will like make these rules about like what people are supposed to feel but i'm like yeah like those those rules are there for like you know to, to as guidelines for how like i you know quote unquote we should be but like um human beings are completely irrational <laughs> and so like it's like constantly butting up against that and so in this space we actually get to see what happens when the irrationality like butts up against some other some other like um behavior so it makes for good drama and conflict and um that's why i'm showing up and some cylons getting blown up too i guess (laughs) 
Um, and Ron Moore talks about that too. He's like, again, the uh, the final sequence, like uh, in this episode, is more like he. They, it was going to end with them crashing on the planet, but then he was, you know, it's kind of like, well, the the scene that we end on is just more dramatic, actually, not a big action set piece, but we this shows like a drama first, and like definitely care more about that scene the repercussions from that scene than the one when they're crashing into cobalt yeah they ended they end this on a a, on a human story instead of your typical oh my god the plane's going down what's gonna happen yeah because it's like we kind of know what's gonna happen (laughs) with the plane going down part but i'm like oh damn so speaking of cobalt Billy Roslin and Alosha, they're going over the uh, the Intel images uh, from Cobol. Uh, Billy says it appears as like it, there was like some kind of calamity there, but the um, but the planet looks in it looks in um, it looks habitable. Um, they see like these uh, there's like ruins in this picture um, through conversation. Um, he says uh, there it's like looks like it was about two thousand years, and Alosha is like that's about the time the thirteen tribes headed out from Cobol. Then um, Rosalind takes a look at the image, and what she sees is not ruins; she sees an inhabited city. Mm-hmm. Um, and Billy and Alosha are like, "What?" Um, and then she looks at it again, and it's ruins. And so they ask, like, kind of, "What did you see?" She says it's a dome. It's like the dome on Caprica. Um, Alosha busts out her scriptures, <laughs> gives it to Laura, and she opens it to this uh, page that has a picture of um, uh, this like really like majestic image. And she says it's the opera house in the city of the gods of Cobol. This is a part where. I watched this show so many times and I never, never realized that the opera house that they have all these scenes in later is like the opera house on Cobol. Really? Like I never, I never pieced that together. I think I was always just so, I was just so into the the scene, like the looking at the imagery of the scene that it just like on a practical level, I wasn't, I just thought it was like this esoteric something or other i don't know this is <laughs> this is one of those moments when i was like god i'm so dumb so anyways uh billy's like this planet is cobalt <laughs> or uh, lotion's like this planet's cobalt billy's like this planet's cobalt like cobalt <laughs> such a like dude and then uh, while they're talking Rosalind kind of has these flashes of scenes of uh cobalt like the opera house uh, some ruins that we'll see uh, i think in the next episode and then she's like, she realizes finally that all of this stuff is real. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Alosha says, so say we all. So our next scene is uh, really, to me, is a really powerful one. Um, we get back and uh, it's Boomer back in um, officer's quarters and she's in Iraq and she's um, puts her. She has her gun still. She puts it to her mouth. And right when she does that, um, Baltar enters, and he says, that, "Oh, he's looking for Starbuck." Six appears. Oh, he sits down next to her, um, and then six appears and 
Six says, uh, deep down, she knows she's a Cylon, but her conscious mind won't accept it. And, like, the shots they, they play, just, like, looking at Sharon's face, she looks so, like, vulnerable and confused and, yeah. um, like, desperate. It's like the scene really, like, like touches me down to my, like, my heart heart, you know? James Callis said that this one was really hard to do because it's so dark. Him, like, mm-hmm. basically pushing her to kill herself. Because Mm -hmm. he thinks that that's the right thing to do in this situation. That if Mm -hmm. she kills herself, then whatever, whatever she, whatever plan she was going to be enacting, any Cylon plan, he's saving everybody. Yeah. And that's why I love the scene so much because it's dark in that, like, obviously trying to get someone to shoot themselves in the head is a, is a dark thing, but there are sort of like sci-fi conventions on the table, um, which makes it a little bit more complicated than that, which is he knows she's a quote unquote robot or machine. Mm. Um, I don't think he knows that they would download into other bodies yet, but in his own way, he's being, he's sort of like being tender to her, genuinely tender to her, but, but also, uh, it's like like kind of merciful or something, but also he's in his own way actually trying to save, not in it, not in an altruistic way, <laughs> um, saving the fleet. Well, I think um, he's doing both. He's mm-hmm. saving the fleet because all Six has told him is that something is going to happen, and you don't want to be here when it does. That makes him believe something's going to happen with Boomer. Mm-hmm. And he's the one who said she was not a Cylon. Mm-hmm. So he does not want to be there for the backlash and the fallout mm-hmm. of whatever it is that Boomer is going to do. So there's him saving himself. But also, if he can stop her from doing whatever she's going to do, it saves potentially saves the Galactica or the fleet or whatever. I think he does know that they download because I think Six told him on Caprica that, that mm, yeah, you're that right. They, My body will download, download into, into another, another one. body. Yeah, you're right. You're right. But yeah, the way it's just the way that that whole sequence, like uh, she's like, sometimes I have dark thoughts, and uh, Baltar's like, what kind of dark thoughts? Um, she's like, I don't know, but I'm afraid I'm going to hurt someone. I feel like I ought to be stopped. Six says um, her with, model is weak and always has been. Yeah. <laughs> oh, six. <laughs> um, six also says she can't be stopped. She's a Cylon. And you can't help her, but you could probably sleep with her. Yeah, that part. I was like, where'd that come no, she's from? She's so like, jealous. Yeah, jeez, man. Um, Baltar kind of steers her towards the idea he's like i'm not sure why sometimes we must embrace that which opens up for us and she's like embrace he says life can be a curse as well as a blessing you will believe me when i tell you there are far worse things than death in this world she says so you're saying he's like no 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 what i say is meaningless listen to your heart embrace that which you know to be the right direction and then he leaves then he kisses her he kisses her on the forehead first and then he leaves. And he leaves, and then hears a gunshot. Ugh. So on Trisha Helfer's podcast, she's talking about she was talking about this scene, but then she's talking about you know Boomer shoots herself but doesn't die and has this 
bandage on her face because I'm assuming the bullet went out her cheek, right? And she's mm-hmm. like, I just, I mean, I guess it's Cylon technology, but that healed really, like, perfectly. There's no scar. And I just want to be like, Trisha, are you fucking serious? <laughs> she died and downloaded into a new body. She didn't die, download into the same body. So when you see Boomer later, yeah, she doesn't have a scar because it's not the same body. That body's on Galactica. Maybe she didn't watch the original show. And maybe she didn't watch this show. <laughs> I seriously was like, this. they did this podcast like four years ago. I am not going to send her a tweet. But seriously, the reason she doesn't have a scar is because she's not the same Boomer. She's the same Boomer in a different body. Come on. Yeah, I mean, it goes back to my idea, like, sometimes you just misspeak and misremember things. <laughs> <laughs> like, you know, like, her you do. didn't correct her either. So they're both dumb about this, and I was just like, oh my god. <laughs> I was so Maybe he was being polite. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Do you even know what you're doing on this show? <laughs> Did you even watch like... the show you were on? Because some actors will be like, I honestly didn't. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I've, I've heard actors say that like years later they've never watched the show so people come up and they're like oh i loved you in this and they're like i've never actually seen it yeah so i don't know or like when um, they're like you know that whole galaxy quest thing of like when when you did this 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 <laughs> and this on this episode and they're like kid i just said my lines i don't even know what you're talking about i never watched the show i just played a character on it i didn't even get to the relevant conundrum <laughs> or or, like, there's an episode of Friends where um, someone asks Joey, like, do you have any idea what you just said? And he's like, no idea. <laughs> when he's like, <laughs> he's like, repeat some line he had from his show. And he's just like, no uh-huh. idea. Don't care. <laughs> Speaking of people that never watched the show. Nah, I said, this is not a segue. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, Adama... Uh, we were back in, uh, I think it's, uh, uh, I don't know where we're at, uh, but Adama's in the briefing room. Adama's examining the ruin, the, pic, the same picture that they were looking at earlier. Um, Alosha, Rosalind, and Baltar present on one side of the table. It's actually a really cool framing. Um, and then on the other side of the table are like the military guys. Uh, so Adama, Ty, and Lee. Um He's looking at it, and he's like, we should consider permanent resettlement. And Elosha jumps right in and reminds him what the scriptures say, which is that, well, Cobalt is pointing the way to Earth. So Adama tells Lee to organize three raptors to survey the ruins. And then Six jumps in and her and Baltar's head and it's like, remind, like reminds him that she, he shouldn't be on the Galactica um, something's coming. So then Baltar kind of jumps in and volunteers to go on the mission. Um, Dom was, <laughs> Dom was like, uh, your, ne- your services won't be needed. <laughs> but Baltar makes a case that since he's the chief science advisor and needs to analyze all the samples, mm-hmm. and like it would be more efficient if he does the gathering, which actually that makes perfect sense. Yeah, it does. Um, yeah, it makes absolutely perfect sense. This is it one is, of those well. times where he, like when he suddenly had to come up with a reason to need a nuclear warhead, he, mm-hmm. in his desperation, finds the actual correct answer. <laughs> right. He, like, comes, comes lies into the truth. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, and then he also says, like, you know, he's the VP 
Rosalind definitely lets him do that. She probably just wants to get rid of him, especially based on that uh, scene um, earlier. Um, but then she tells Adama on the side, she's like, uh, I need to talk to you private, like need to talk to you. So it looks like there's going to be a private conversation happening. Um, we jump to sick bay. Um, Tyrrells enters and Sharon's laid up in bed. Um, basically like, you know, are you okay? He answer, he questions the actual cause of the injury. Like you shouldn't, you, you wouldn't forget to check the chamber. So obviously he, he suspects that she, she tried to hurt herself. And she, you know, she says she wakes up in the morning and wonders who she is. She wonders she'll hurt someone. Um, Chief, like, you know, says you, you should get help or you need help. And she's like, not from you. Yep. Um, you made that clear. I, in my notes, I wrote cold, I like twice. Um, Thanks for coming out, Chief. You're dismissed. Yeah, she pulls rank <laughs> on him. But, you know, yeah. he he broke up with her. And has not really had many interactions with her since. And mm-hmm. she's not wrong that he did make that very clear that she's on her own in this. Yeah, but she said that just to like. Well, she said it to hurt him. She said it. Yeah. She said that because. I mean, oh, cold. That was cold. That was so good. He kind of limply salutes <laughs> and, then he, and then he leaves. There's a deleted scene. Um, where a uh, crash down, or actually, it starts with Apollo actually kind of like dressing her down, but like it ends up kind of being like jokingly because um, like he like we need you as a pilot, whatever. He exits and the crash downs at her side actually that entire Aww. sequence, and then he gets he get he gets up and leaves. Yeah, right. Yeah, like I was like crash down. You're you're not you're not a bad guy. That would have um, that would have gone a long way with the way that he like loses his shit on Cobol. <laughs> on Cobol, yeah. Um and then like and then eventually like he he's on his way out of the room and that's when Tyrrell enters. So that's mm-hmm. where they in this cut that's how they they uh edit it. So then we're back in um with just Rosalind and Adama now and so Rosalind's telling Adama her plan. Um, she's like, if we have the Arrow of Apollo, they can go down to Cobol and use it to open the tomb of Athena and then find the way to Earth. He says, I didn't know you were that religious. <laughs> and she's like, neither did I. You know? Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, is there something wrong with that? And Adama's like, no, it's just new. Um, and then he, like, he kind of reminds her, like, you know, that like, there's no Earth. But then she's like, ah, it seems we were wrong. And the, the entire scene, like, Adama's very, I, I'm going to use the word kind. That might not be the right word. Uh, but he's very, like, respectful of, like, if she if she actually is religious, he's not, like, mocking yeah. what she might believe. He's he's being very respectful about, like, like if she has these beliefs. And I, and I kind of feel like he's in a, like, somewhere in his body or his mind he might be sort of like questioning some things as well even though that's not on the surface at all well, i don't think yet um, yeah and i and i'm saying I, I i think that there are some like way in the back of his mind there like some like stuff just stuff has happened and but he's just not he's just not like contemplating any of it at the moment and definitely he's gonna have to come around like i wrote well, he um, doesn't a, trust a, her yet yeah, I wrote, well, I wrote he's a Scully skeptic, right? So 
even even though he might know of some of the like he knows she he knows she has cancer right no um oh he doesn't know okay and but like he might like even though he might know some things he still is like kind of like yeah uh-huh so know. right now she's saying she's not telling him that she's got cancer she's not telling him that she's seeing things having visions that she's looked at this photograph and saw a full city she's just telling him hey this is Cobal. I need this arrow that's back on Caprica so it can point the way to Earth. And he's just like, no, come on. Those are stories. That's like, that's like, that's like Indiana Jones being like, I need the Holy Grail for this thing. And people being like, that thing's a myth. All right. Go find it, I guess. You know, right, like, right. these are, these are stories. And the arrow of Apollo that's on Caprica is part of a statue. Somebody made that thing. Mm-hmm. So how is that supposed like none of it makes sense to him because she's not telling him she's seeing these things and he doesn't trust her yet because they're not actually friends. They've been Look, tolerating each other. I don't even believe it. And I already watched the show. <laughs> I'm like the heir of Apollo. Really? Like, <laughs> and, I mean, you know, but she ends up being right about that. And I think that's what changes yeah. his mind later. Yeah, there's a, there's a there's a degree of even with her there's a huge degree of faith happening where she doesn't necessarily know how it's all going to play out, but enough pieces have been shown that's convincing her that that's the path that she needs to take. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying that I think that just because of like, and again I'm saying like way 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 in the back of his head i'm not even saying it's like a conscious thing it's nothing like he's contemplating it but it's just the way that he kind of plays it like the way the the sort of like the like the respectfulness that he has about everything it just feels to me like he just like he's definitely he's definitely not entertaining any of it um and he doesn't and it's not until he like you know kind of comes face to face with death and has to get softened a little bit that he like will start to come around. But even it's just that it's not in his nature to be like a believer, at least in that. I think he believes in, he believes in like the colonies and the military. And that's like his focus of belief. Um, But he isn't so into that, that he like, so like dismisses anything that she actually believes he like kind of finds a kind way to let her down yeah he's respectful of her beliefs but he doesn't believe her yeah and he's not going to give her a cylon raider you know to get an arrow from a museum i mean i wouldn't either right (laughs) again knowing how even knowing how it goes i'm i'm the i'm the person that thinks luke Skywalker was highly irresponsible not using his nav computer, you know? <laughs> so <laughs> even though I know it worked out, I'm like, yeah, you still just should have used it, guy. But whatever. So, yeah. So he's like, no. Uh, he They they kind of they kind of have this conversation that harkens back to, uh, I mean, Ron Moore says it too, like the miniseries 
um, about there being a separation between, um, you know, there is a separation between the military and the government. And, you know, he deems uh, the Cylon Raider to be a military asset. So he's not going to allow her to, to take it. Yeah. Um, to go to Caprica. And he just says, I'm sorry. And then we get to some action <laughs> sequences. It's so funny how most of the shows like literally just interpersonal drama and I totally like forget that a lot of times, even though I'm telling, I always tell people to drama, but I also like, if you ask me about the episode, I'm like, yeah. And then the Cylons came and they shot and, the, <laughs> and that's the stuff I remember. <laughs> the, the shot but, of the Raider colliding and tearing a Raptor in half is yeah. one of the coolest things they've come up with. Yeah. Yeah, I mean they use it in the uh, opening credits in I think season two or three oh, or they? something like that. I think so. Yeah. Um, um, speaking of that, I don't know if you watched this on your Blu-ray. Mm-hmm. Yes, I did. Um, so when I watched the episode without commentary, I just pulled it up on my um, Peacock, and you know how in the opening credits it shows scenes from the upcoming episode. The mm-hmm. scenes that are edited in for this episode are from the miniseries. And I was like, this is weird. Why are they showing this stuff? And then I watched it today on my Blu-ray to watch it with commentary. And it was all scenes from this episode. So something <laughs> weird happened with whatever ended up on streaming. Huh. It doesn't matter. It's just, yeah. I just thought I'd point it out in case, you know. Rod Moore's listening yeah. and wants to send us an email. Galactica actually podcast at gmail.com. I don't know that he even like watches <laughs> the Blu-ray because he would have told the sound people that oh. <laughs> to, to edit out out the coughing and the dog. The dog no, was that was the dog yeah, barking was this the previous time it was episode. A lot of, it was the phones ringing constantly. Phones ringing. Yeah, I think I think it was like his wife or something. In the I just assumed that was his wife, like coughing off Maybe. in the background. Or something. I'm guessing that you know that was yeah. done all back before podcasts were a thing, and he didn't do the commentary in a studio where they usually do. Like have it, it they record either in a booth or in a screening room. Um, it, and this was oh, yeah. obviously done it like was... sitting at his computer, but yeah, it was distracting how much other noise was going yeah on. it was very like i used to listen to it in like real time and it was very like it was never intended to be on i was actually surprised like some years later when i found out that that was the commentary for the dvd or blu-ray um because he would talk along with those on the podcast but it was very like conversational he was just kind of sitting down um, riffing on the show, but it was like it literally. It, like the podcast used to come out like that night or the the next morning, and it was always like you know, you'll like you'll hear later. Like he at at a certain point, like you knew he was in his living room, and he's like he'd tell you what drink he was drinking tonight. And I always just I just always like what kind of uh, the brandy or something he was drinking. And I and I always just assume it was just a very it wasn't intended to be. Like an official no, I know director's commentary, was, but yeah. n- now it is official. <laughs> and... Right, that's what I'm saying. So, like he, like I was surprised when they put it on. <laughs> they used it 
for the official The dog barking in the background had a certain amount of charm. The multiple different phones ringing and text buzzing and coughing happening really was like, wow, distracting. Yeah. I wonder if... Wonder if he was in his office or something. I don't know. There were like three different phone rings, though. Yeah, it was. I mean, you know, I remember like back then. It was always like, oh, I'm gonna sit. I'm gonna sit with Ron, and we're gonna watch the episode. He's gonna tell me about it. But it was, I. I mean, I had to like, I had to like. Well, then he. That's why I don't know if they have the beeps on the. on the uh they don't have the beeps no. on the commentary but he would have these beeps on the on the actual commentary on the podcast so that you knew when to pause it for the commercials um so you could like sync have it yeah. synced up so i had to like play it on something else while i was watching it so it was it was it was, it was nothing fancy <laughs> Yeah, and it definitely was early days. Pod- I mean, it was like the first days of podcasting. I was actually watching this one, and I was like, what kind of mic does he have, actually? Where yeah, you- I don't know. He had the- I mean, he sounds yeah. okay on the on the commentary. I've definitely heard worse. Yeah. But it's not like, it's not like the commentary podcast that – or the podcast. It wasn't commentary. The podcast that um, Damon Lindelop and Carlton Cuse would do, which they would also record like – the night or so that Lost would air and then they would do their podcast and it would drop like a day or so after the episode. They obviously mm-hmm. did that in a studio and they they weren't going scene by scene. They were just talking about the episode. Yeah, Ron Moore's like, oh, you, you can hear the helicopter. <laughs> <laughs> Must be in L.A. Yeah, yeah so uh, there are three raptors <laughs> and they're... They're getting ready to jump. Lots of chatter. We see, like, uh, in one of the raptors, um, the the important one for us, it's uh, Baltar, uh, Tyrol, Callie, Sasinus making his return. Uh, Crashdown is the, the ECO, uh, an unnamed red shirt pilot. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, it's not even a name, but he's a, a red shirt pilot. Um and uh they, you know it's all kind of chatter they're just they're getting ready to jump out um so uh uh they yeah so they they get ready to jump they make their jump seems everything seems like casual whatever and then <laughs> they're over cobalt and then the pilot of one of the ships looks out his window like we just talked about and a raider comes flying toward him. It's, a, it's such a great shot and just rips through the raptor and it's exploding into nothing mm-hmm. disintegrating um you got kind of in the shot then we see that there's a base star ab- um, high above um the other two raptors immediately start start evading um the one with uh with all of our our people that we know gets hit um in the back and it's kind of spinning out a little bit and the pilot of the raptor i think he gets hit by some debris or something like, from the through the glass something either through shoots the glass. through the glass or crashes through the glass and kills him i think yeah. it just gets shot yeah it gets shot and then um crash down jumps up to fly it he's so he's piloting the raptor Tyrrell orders the sinus to um um have the other raptor jump back to galactica uh, they have this quick conversation they you know they uh the ftl is, uh, is damaged so they can't jump back themselves mm-hmm. So then the the raptor is starting to fall towards Cobol. 
Crash Down does some heroics. I don't know why you, you guys are hating on him all the time, um, but he <laughs> he's great <laughs> here. Toward... <laughs> they start plunging towards the towards the valley. Um, then we jump back to Galactica, and um, Gate is actually it's a completely calm scene. Gate is giving us some exposition that's going to be important for part two. Uh, but uh, when they're looking at these uh, these uh, sensors, these transponders, there's uh, multiple. I think there's three. My uh, old school brain was like, oh, there's three Cylon looking sensors together, and that was reminiscent of like how they were always three piloting the uh, uh, the Cylon Raiders in the old show. Mm. Um, but they probably never did that because they never watched the original. Sure, sure. Um, and anyways, he you know he says that. Uh, what actually when the when the sensors are in proximity of each other they send out an IFF burst uh and then tie um or uh they uh, they tie kind of comments that oh it helps them identify themselves to other Cylon transponders no gata says it's going to be important oh gata says it it's going to be important for next episode um, D all of a sudden interrupts and announces that there's Dreda's contact, um, and Raptor 275 is returned. Ty comments, oh, wow, they, like, they're back early, and Adama automatically knows something's wrong, you know, in his Adama way. I didn't, I didn't do my Adama voice at all this time. So, you know, we're, we jump over to Adama's quarters, and, um, we find out that 10 people died on the, the one Raptor that we saw disintegrate um and they've lost contact with the other one um adama immediately wants to come up a plant with a plan to take on the base ship uh <laughs> ty says starbucks already coming up with the plan to get a nuke on the base ship apollo's apollo's pissed <laughs> what i liked about Bra- this Bra- was that ty now trusts starbuck to come up with a plan oh yeah i never really think about that I liked the sort of like the character chaos of the scene because it's like Apollo's pissed. Rosalind, meanwhile, is like uh, oh, the, the Raider. Raider? <laughs> Starbucks and the Raider. Yeah, eyeball, emo- eyeball emoji. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, and Adama, Adama's kind of on the same page as Lee. Like he, he... my watch is talking. It said, "Call Emma eyeball emoji." <laughs> What? what? Shut up. Um, it's like it's like Ron Moore's podcast. Yeah, so Adamo's on the same page, kind of as Lee. He's like, you know, he tells Lee to go talk to Starbuck, and Apollo's like, I can't wait. <laughs> oh man, this is like the this is like the 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 cool the ca- the character chaos of it all. I just love it. It's like all these rapid fire things, and everybody kind of has different objectives and goals and. Um, it all like makes it the the part with Rosalind and the Raider uh, is the best part for me. Anyways, out in the hallway, Billy asks Rosalind if there's something she, uh, he needs to be worried about. <laughs> the look on her face is like again eyeball emoji. She just says, uh, "Not now." <laughs> um, so scene two with uh, Apollo and Starbuck. Uh, Star, we're back on the flight deck. Um, Starbucks uh, kind of order, ordering some of the knuckle draggers to take uh, something out. I don't, I don't know if they specify what it is, but she's basically like um, she, she knows uh, Chief wanted them to put it in, but she's not going to need it for the to fly for the jump test. 
Uh, Lee storms in, says attention. Uh, Starbucks drinking her water, kind of basically adores him. Uh, and he grabs the water and says attention. His nose is running in that scene, by the way. I did not I had notice. to watch it so many times. <laughs> yeah, now you're going to notice every time because I noticed it once and then I saw it. Just in that one shot, huh. and it wasn't like in the other shots, it wasn't. He's like, you know, again, this is a, like, he's he's mad about this, but this is not what he's mad about, right? But he's like, you know, he dresses her down um, for, uh, like, next time you take your uh, ideas to the XO without coming to him first, you know, it's a big no-no. You do not do that. Do you understand? Um, obviously, you know, I didn't, she didn't do it because of their earlier blow up um yeah. that's probably one of the reasons obviously um it's also starbuck going directly to the xo yeah the person that she has the most uh friction with yeah. all the time yeah um and she's just like yes sir again she just plays everything so subdued and uh i just like i just love that performance she says uh, she says at the moment she's like she, oh, she tells the plan that she has, which is uh, she's going to put an autopilot in the Raider, then jump into the base ship and then engage the autopilot and then punch out, she says, and then get picked up by a Raptor. And then <laughs> Lee's like, oh, that might work, but it also might get you killed. And Starbucks says, would you miss me, sir? <laughs> um, I'm not sure if that's a yes or no. <laughs> <laughs> that Apollo kind of gives her, but he's like, you know, um, I need, he says he needs every pilot, even the screw ups. Then he starts to exit and then Starbucks stops him. And this is the, this is the, uh, the other part, which kind of informs how I've, I've been thinking about the blow up before and this and how she performs everything. She says, she's really sorry. And um, for, I guess everything, but um, Lee just basically ignores her actually. He's an asshole. I don't know if he... I don't know. I think he just doesn't really know what to say in response. Yeah, yeah. I mean, but the fact that he didn't say anything still, you know, even if he wanted to, I don't know. Because she's just like, we don't ever see super vulnerable Starbuck. And this episode, I, we saw super vulnerable Starbuck. Mm-hmm. Like, the one that actually realizes that she's making terrible choices. So we're uh, we're in a room with uh, Billy, and um, Billy's kind of... He's kind he's actually confronting Rosalind, actually, which I really uh, like. Um, he, he He's telling her, you know, every like, everything that we've worked for, you're, you're risking to bring down if you, like, send Starbuck on this mission. It's like, you don't have the right... Mm-hmm. When he said that, I was like, says, oh, you man. You don't have He's the like... right to risk that for a – and he stops and she just goes, go on. Yeah. He says <laughs> for a drug-induced vision of prophecy. And she you know, she says she's aware, but it seems the gods have a different plan. And then she uh, asks Billy to get Starbuck. And he's like, yeah, he will. And then, like, he's like, can I get you some water? <laughs> I like those little touches that kind of, like – puts everybody square again yeah. after the uh after the little like that not that they had an argument there but that like little like little piece is really cool and then and then we jump to Kara in the same room in front of the president she's already like told her the plan <laughs> Starbucks kind of flabbergasted she's like 
this is crazy or whatever. She says, uh, you know, the Rosalind, Rosalind's kind of like, you know, this is, you know, this has all happened before and this all will happen again. Um, and then, you know, mentions that Leah been told them that they'd find Cobol, which would lead to Earth. She then asks Kara if she believes in the gods and um, Kara, she gets really defensive, but she says, yes, she does believe and then Rosalind's like, I don't, I didn't mean to offend you, um, but here's the deal. And she pitches the idea that you know the cycle of time, um, we're all players in this drama that repeats over and over and over again. Leah Ben said that they would find Cobalt, and they did, but she also tells Kara that she has cancer, and only like she says, three people know. And that's the, I think that's the thing. That's part two of the thing that kind of like switches care of. There's one more piece <laughs> that comes right after that, that kind of convinces her to, to, you know, that maybe, maybe we should be actually trying to find earth instead of going on this mission. Um, but then Kara kind of like as a child, I said, it's what the old man told us where earth was, earth was, he knows where it is. <laughs> And then, you know, Rosalind's like, Adama has no idea where Earth is. He gave, he, he made it up to give people hope. And then, you know, Starbuck is just stunned by the, by the news, but, you know, doesn't quite believe it. Um, obviously, her and her and Adama have a really close relationship. So kind of, you know, now I think about it, it kind of goes, it's the reverse of um, way back in um, Act of Contrition, um, when Starbuck was kind of keeping that particular secret about passing Zach in the flight, you know, stuff. So that she's, you know, kind of responsible for his his death. You know, she's gonna go ask Adama. I think Rosalind tells her to go ask. Well, she says Adama. she says that Rosalind's lying, and Rosalind's just like, okay, go ask him. Yeah, go ask him. And she says, I will. We cut to just above the flight deck, and Madama and Starbuck are looking down over the raider, getting uh, the raider getting uh, prepped for the mission. And she starts asking him, um, "Yeah, so you know, so how much longer till we reach Earth?" And Adama says, "It's it's hard to say." <laughs> so I got my Adama in. Um, he says he doesn't, you know, he you know he doesn't like to guess. And then she's at she kind of presses a little bit more. Are we getting closer? And he's, and she's like, I'm sure we are. Right. <laughs> so he definitely she you know that that's when she knows for certain. Um, and again, it's kind of played out how way back in Act of Contrition, when in a little bit of like Three's Company fashion, um, you know one person knew the truth and kind of let the other person walk into it to confirm to them that the, per the other person had been keeping a secret. Um, in this case, Kara has other plans. <laughs> so she's in the, she's in the Raider and uh, getting ready for flight for the, for the jump test. Um, Apollo's tailing her, um, and then she requests to be put through to Galactica Actual. For anyone listening, that's the inspiration for the name of this podcast. Yep. <laughs> um, she's on a scrambled channel, and so Adama takes it. So it's just the two of them having a conversation. No one else can hear. He says, go ahead, Kara, right away. She's like, I believed you. I believed in Earth. 
and Adama says, uh, "Where are you? What are you doing, Starbuck?" And she says, "Bringing home the cat, sir." If anybody's listening, that's what we say when we sign off. <laughs> Ish. Ish, yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> Adama, you know, it's like you know, we talked about this. <laughs> He's totally trying to save this moment. Um, he's like, no, I don't think so. Adama says, I want you to remember one thing. I do not regret anything that I did. Be sure that whatever you're going to do, you don't regret it later. Do you understand me? And she's like, I guess we'll find out. Peace out. And then uh, she jumps away. Pew. And then Adama <laughs> gets on the horns like Galactica's Apollo, Starbuck has jumped away. Repeat, Starbuck has jumped away. And then Ty jumps in. She's like, she wasn't scheduled for a jump test. Where the hell did she go? And Adama says, home. Yep. So. And that's the end of part one. Is. He knows he should have just been honest with her. She probably still would have done it. That's the thing. If he'd been honest yeah. with her and said, yeah, I, I did. I lied. I don't know where Earth is. I didn't want everybody to feel hopeless. She would probably respect him for telling her the truth now. And she still would have taken the Raider and gone to do this. Because now she believes what Rosalind is saying. So I think either way, Kara was going back to Caprica. But... yeah. Her feelings are hurt because her her stand-in daddy has lied to her twice. Yeah. Just lied to her face. These complicated people. Yeah. I mean, he's human. Eddie, Eddie almost said that he wouldn't have done this show if it was just, like, about space and aliens and stuff. Like, he, he signed on because it was a drama. And it's things like this where you have character stuff that makes this such a rich show anyway that also happens mm -hmm. to be in space. Mm -hmm. um, and so it's nice to be reminded of that. When we've got, you know, Raider ripping apart a raptor and little ships falling to a fictional planet where, you know, and all this like, oh, the, the gods and ruins and the arrows of Apollo or whatever. But like really when it comes down to it, it it's also just about these people and their relationships. Yeah, it was, uh, you know, I watched uh, the episode of the original show that I watched today was uh, <laughs> Apollo crashes on a planet and it's basically like all Western <laughs> people. And there's a Cylon that's riding a horse and they call him Red Eye and there's like the shootout. Oh and, and I was like, I was like, I was like, this is not the best written episode. <laughs> like I, wa I watched all, I watched a bunch of the other episodes recently and they were they're like fine, you know, for their time. But this, I was like, this literally was like, this was not, this was not a good episode. This is a little kid on there and he's like, I want to, I want to be a root tootin' gunfighter like my father. And it was like all this stuff. And, and then, you know, like watching that and then thinking about like, this episode that we watch and like with all the drama i'm like yeah that that was the one thing about the show when i you know way back when i watched the miniseries yeah i had thought about battlestar galactica over the years but one of the things i'd always think about was like yeah they never really like 
contemplated the actual repercussions of the situation that they were in. Like everything was very passively dealt with. Um, if they're like in the in the original, um, Zach slash Rick Springfield dies in the first fifteen minutes or so. Um, and like Adama, Apollo and Athena, like they're all his family and they just, there's a moment where they, they're sad. And then it's like, it's just like, it almost never happened. Yeah. Everyone's like happy. And, um, and the episode prior to the one that I just described with, uh, Apollo on the planet, he's like, he had his wife got, uh, uh, Dr. Quinn medicine woman. What's her, what's her Jane name? Seymour. Um, yeah, Jane Seymour. She was on the first, uh. A few episodes of Battlestar. Her name was Serena. She had married um, Apollo, um, and then she died. And then it was just like the next episode. <laughs> there was like you didn't really see like the actual repercussions of anything. Well, it just was kind of like that's you not know. the way TV was told back then. It's not how it was written. Right. Everything needed to be. Yeah. It needed to be able to stand alone and be put into syndication. And there right. wasn't serialized storytelling, really. This the the reason why I'm bringing this one up, though, it's interesting to me because they they do bring it up, like, and that's that's the part, like, they bring it up in other episodes, like in this one, he's like, because he kind of confuses, not confuses, but like, you know, the mixed emotion of his wife dies. So he brings up, he's like, oh yeah, my wife, like the the woman he meets, like her husband had died or whatever, and he's like, yeah, my my wife died too. <laughs> And there's another, there's some other episode where he like brings up that stuff, or like uh, he starts to have this romantic involvement with this character Sheba, who was the daughter of Admiral Kane. You may know that name. You know she's got the hots for Apollo, and she's like, you, you know, ever since your wife died, you're never like you're you're so closed off, and so it's like. It, it, it was like they acknowledged that some stuff happened, but they never really played the, the emotional resonance of those moments. Mm-hmm. And it just, it's just so like, you know, night and day. Um, and so anyways, that's the thing that I appreciated a lot about this show. And again, I think Star Trek Voyager was like they set up a really good premise and then always ignored the <laughs> the emotional resonance of the situation they were in. And that's why it always felt off to me. Even if a lot of the episodes I thought were entertaining, they still were ignoring this really rich possibility that they could have explored. So this show was doing it, and I'm digging it. Okay. <laughs> so was Baltar the worst this week? I do not think he was the worst. I actually think that, like I said, that scene, especially that scene with Boomer, really, like, I don't know. There's there's, there's very few moments when he shows, like, a genuine, like, some kind of level of some kind of compassion or something. It's usually, and I notice it's usually with Cylon women. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yeah, and, I, and that was that was one of them. So he definitely is not the worst for me. Okay. Who gets full colors? Um, full colors, I would have to give to Starbuck, I believe, for her um, making the leap. That's what I said her doing... too. I said, I don't know, yeah. Starbuck? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, because everyone's kind of messy this episode. Yeah. But yeah, but just kind of that, I guess that leap of faith for her. And I feel bad for her having to go through what she did. Yeah. Uh, so who would you throw out the airlock? 
Uh, one Lee Adama. Yeah. Yeah. I said incel Yeah. Lee. yeah. Um, this week's favorite Cylon? Uh, I wrote Sharon Boomer. Um, yeah, I said, I said poor Boomer. Yeah, just the, uh, like every scene. Like you just, that's the, the tragedy of her characters. We, you know, spend like one episode away, we, we see where like that ends up, but you, ne- you almost never have, even in that moment, like you have compassion for her because she's always like, she's not in control of herself, you yeah. know? It's really heartbreaking. Yeah. Poor Boomer. All right. Where can people find you? You can find me everywhere, man. Um, the Armic Threeden <laughs> on the Instagram. Uh, First Noel Chronicles, uh, TV Obscura podcast, and uh, Boops of Life um on youtube tiktok and instagram and a big announcement coming up hopefully in the next few weeks about one of my other projects which i'm really excited about so that's still semi-secret okay that's where you can find me yeah um you can find our show on twitter at at galact act pod you can email us at galactica actually podcast at gmail.com and you can find my previous podcast work at the Unspoiled Network. I did Doctor Who, Band of Brothers, Lost, Punisher, Vampire Diaries. And next week we have the second part of the season one finale. Do you have any pre-thoughts? Yeah, just, you know, I remember, I probably talked about it before, but, like, why, I remember the first time watching this, and, you know, I really enjoyed the first season, was really into it. Uh, in comparison to what the show becomes after this, though, it's, like, on a different, well, light, lighter's not the real term to use, but this episode raised it to a whole other level. Mm-hmm. It just And that it just set it up to be... I think the show that we all like really remember it for um, yeah. and that, you know, the last, last moments were just like, what? <laughs> so yeah. I can't wait to be watching that this week again. Okay. Well, until then, what do you hear? Nothing but the rain. Bring in the cat. <laughs> I can't remember Sometimes the whole Sometimes you got to roll a hard six. <laughs> <laughs> Bye. All right, see ya. So say we You're listening to the Geekscape Network.